Suicide is a tough topic, but the Washington County Reach for Hope Suicide Prevention Coalition wants you to know that there is always hope. We are a caring community reaching out to provide compassion and hope for a community free of suicide. In the next half hour, we'll talk with community partners to identify risk factors, raise awareness, and discuss prevention strategies. Hello and welcome to another edition of Reach for Hope. I'm Melissa Anderson, where there's always hope. You know, the after effects of COVID-19 took a toll on many school-age students when it comes to mental health, and the state of Utah recognized this and funded the Mental Health Assistance Program, or MAP, in schools, hoping to help students receive counseling who may be struggling. With me today is Tammy Curtis, who is now oversees the program in Washington County School District. She's the Health and Wellness Coordinator. Welcome, Tammy. I've had you on the show here before, and thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. That's great. First of all, tell us about your role in the school district and what you do. All right. As the health and wellness coordinator, I oversee our wellness rooms. We have layers of support when it comes to our students' mental health. And one of those is also the MAP program, the Mental Health Assistance Program. Uh, So I'm able to work with many different departments within the district office to ensure that we are looking after the well-being of, of our students and our educators as well. Now, this doesn't replace the wellness rooms that are there that are available to students 24-7 when they're in school. It is something different and unique. Tell me about it. Correct. This is an additional layer of support. The wellness room is available for all of our students. We hope all of our students will access that in the moments when they need that. And it really gives them the opportunity to learn how to self-regulate and learn healthy coping skills that can help them navigate difficulty as that comes up. Um, This support is a little bit different. It's very individualized. For those students who need a little extra support, we offer the free mental health assistance program so our students can access um, free therapy. We, we offer them eight sessions every year, and they choose the provider of their choice. So tell me a little bit about how that works. How do they get to the place where they're saying, okay, I may need a little bit more support than just this wellness room? Yeah. Um, They may talk to their counselor about it. Um, Their parents may talk to the counselor about it. Um, Someone lets the counselor know that this student could benefit from a little extra support. And that that counselor will make that call to make that referral for the support for that student. What could what are some of the things they could be struggling with? I mean, COVID-19 took a toll on almost all of us. Um, But this day and age, there's so much that kids are dealing with when it comes to stress, anxiety, um, just feeling like they're fitting in, cell phones, I know that's a big issue, but what kinds of things are would they be struggling with? Yeah, a lot of our students talk about feeling stressed with just the demands that they have. Um, there's a lot of pressure from peers, from social media, um, demands at school, demands at home. We've seen an increase in anxiety and depression um, post-COVID, and, uh, and it's nice to see our students uh, accessing support and, and even asking for help. I think the biggest thing that we can help everyone um, when it comes to our mental health is to get help if, if they need it. There's no shame in asking for help. And, uh, and, and sometimes we're not very good at raising our hand and, and asking for that. Um, we really hope to encourage everyone um, 
to get the support that they need. Right. So how do school counselors then fit into this? You said that they have to ask the school counselors to get this help. Is that how that works? The, the counselor does have to refer them to the program. So they can ask for it or the school counselor might offer it as an option um, if, if they see a need for that. Uh, if, if parents feel like, you know, I would really like my student to have the support. Uh, but that referral has to come from the school counselor. And then parents, of course, have to provide that permission for their student to access it. So there's probably a form they have to fill out Correct. to do that mm-hmm. at the school. So how do parents get involved with this? The They have to give permission for sure. They do. They might be meeting with a school counselor or the school counselor might give them a call. Um, Either way, they talk about the benefit to the student and then the parent will fill out the consent form. And uh, and that's how it gets started. And so is there a list of of therapists then if they wanted to go beyond those eight visits or or you said eight visits, right? Yeah, we, we pay for the first eight visits and they're more than welcome to continue on uh, after that. So there are a list of providers that participate in our MAP program and parents will select the provider uh, that they would like. And that can be based on either specialty. Uh, they feel like that person has the skills to, to work with their student or it can be based on um you know, the, this is the person that, that takes our insurance and our insurance can pick this up after those eight sessions conclude. Uh, we also do offer the, this every year. So a student might use eight sessions this year and then use eight sessions next year. Uh, so we do renew that each year. Yeah. It's a one-on-one counseling session, more than just counseling, though. It's actual. How how much time do they get to spend with a therapist? So typically a session is going to be 50 minutes um, with a therapist. And so this is a, um, a, a, the first visit is the intake assessment. So they won't get started in that very first visit. They'll need to get the information um, from the student and create the treatment plan. And so then the seven sessions are going to be the therapy. And would this possibly involve any kind of medications or referrals to doctors for medications, or could those those therapists uh, give the children medications? So our providers are therapists, so they won't prescribe medications, but they can refer to a medical provider or a psychiatrist who would be able to prescribe medications if they found that that was something that could be supportive. So this goes above and beyond uh, coping skills, uh, dealing like with the wellness rooms squeezing on a little squeeze ball or whatever, throwing it against the wall or fishing in the fish tank or some of the things that I've seen in those wellness rooms. Um, It goes beyond that. Yeah, we have um, the way that we describe it in terms is a multi-tiered system of support. And that describes the layers of support that we offer in school. So at tier one, this would be support that's available for all. And that would be our wellness rooms. It's it's there and it's available when students need it. Um, And we're really teaching them how to uh, regulate their nervous system. Right. Um, When we get dysregulated because of different emotions, different situations that we're encountering in our life, we all need that opportunity to recognize how our body feels and then recognize what emotion we're feeling and be able to self-regulate that so that we can get in our thinking mind and be able to use our logic and our thinking and our reasoning and problem solving. Uh, That's our learning brain. And, And at school, we need to be in learning brain. And that's why that works is because students, when they become dysregulated, they can take a break and they can do that sensory awareness practice 
to, to get that nervous system calmed down uh, and, uh, and then return to class and be ready to learn. Uh, so this is a great tier one support because we all are self-regulating each day. And whether that looks like taking a break in a wellness room or taking a walk around the block or, um, you know, just looking outside, just that mindfulness piece, right, of engaging with our five senses, noticing what we can see, smell, hear, touch, or taste. Um, we can do that anywhere, anytime, and it's free. <laughs> yeah, It doesn't require any technology, just our awareness of it and our willingness to do it. Right. Um, but, but, but above all, beyond that, there are times when when therapy can really be beneficial, um, when when people are going through difficult things that that really impact their day to day life, if they're not able to, if it's affecting their schoolwork, if it's affecting their friendships, if it's uh, affecting their relationships with their family, um, then that's when therapy can be really beneficial uh, for anyone. Uh, I think everyone can benefit from therapy, although I know that probably not everyone will. We'll do that. I, I would hope that they would. Uh, it's 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 an amazing opportunity for people to really focus on um, skills that they can learn to increase and enhance the quality of their life, uh, and that's that's the work that gets done one on one with that therapist. Um, so we consider that tier three support, um, and that's because it is individualized. And the benefit of having a community mental health program like this is that 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 student can stay with that therapist, uh, regardless of what school they go to or moving from fifth grade to sixth grade or seventh grade to eighth grade. They can stay with that therapist who they build the relationship of trust with. And that that care can continue even um, evenings, weekends throughout the summer. uh, And that's important to keep the student connected with that person. Now, is there other schools across the uh, Utah that do this or is it just basically here in Washington County? So yeah, every, uh, the state has provided a mental health grant to all school districts and they choose how to use that fund, the, the funding. And this is our district has, has chosen to use it this way. So not every district does this. Yeah, so it's very unique and it's a great opportunity. Is this run through like Southwest Behavioral Health or how, how does it work? It does. Uh, Southwest Behavioral Health is the mental health authority for Washington County. And so they are the hub for this and everything, they handle all of that. So our counselors refer the student and then Southwest will pick that up and they will do that warm handoff. Um, they will get the the connection started with that therapist. But the, the parents pick Right. They pick the provider and then Southwest makes sure that they get connected with that therapist and just help support if they need anything along the way. How then, uh, what's the measure of success for this program? Uh, access. We really want to increase the number of students that access the support. We are really trying to get upstream with prevention. Um, as a therapist myself, before I came to schools, um, <clears throat> it was it was pretty eye-opening how many times my clients would say, I needed this five years ago. I needed this 10 or 20 years ago. Why don't they teach this in school? And, uh, you know, I, I agree. Uh, everyone can benefit from accessing uh, the really healthy coping skills and really gaining self-awareness and, and exercising self-compassion, all the things that, that we need to build healthy relationships, how to self-regulate. And uh, so it's it's just 
an amazing opportunity that we can really get it into the hands of everyone. And so we hope as many students um, as that are willing to go will take advantage of it. And, and, and that's what we're hoping for is to increase um, access to that. That's prevention. So is there an age limit on these students? Well, this is for all of our students in our K through 12 setting. They do have to be a student in Washington County School District uh, to qualify for this support. Yeah. Uh, so what's the goal for this program when it comes to mental health? Well, we really hope to break any stigma when it comes to mental health. We all have mental health mm-hmm. and every anything and everything that we can do to have a healthy mental health is, is always a good thing. Uh, and so we really hope that this really uh, opens doors um, for people to see, hey, you know, this is available. If, if you need it, take advantage of it. Um, you know, and if you don't need it right now, okay, you know, when the time is right for you, it's here. Uh, I think the goal is is really to help people access it, break down some barriers that maybe prevent them from showing up in that therapist's office. And that's definitely a goal that we have for Reach for Hope is, is to break that stigma, to come out, to reach for hope, for reach for help, yeah. and break that stigma that it's okay to not be okay, and sometimes you need that help, and more times than not, we all need that help. Yeah. <laughs> we just have to realize it and then reach out for that help. So I talked about this earlier, but I want to get more in-depth on it. What are some of the problems then that kids are, are, are having problems with th- these days? Um, I mentioned cell phones, and I think that that's been huge on everybody's mind, um, as well as like how long they spend on social media, TikTok, all these different apps that are out there, even playing games. I mean, even my own 84-year-old father, I think he's 85 now, sits there and plays uh, games on his phone. I mean, sometimes that could be good, but sometimes it could be bad. Yeah, well... We live in a different world, don't we? Technology mm-hmm. changes things. I I refer to this as the modern world. We live in a modern world, and and our our brains are adapting to to be able to, and our brains are good at that. They, that's what they do. They adapt, um, and so because our kids. Uh, have devices in their hands at younger and younger ages now because they're so accessible and they're so available. And you know, I don't know that I could trade my cell phone. It's very efficient and effective and helpful. Um, and, and so it's very reinforcing um, this technology. So we have to realize that it is affecting their brains and how they're developing. And so time, screen time is something we need to pay attention to. Um, as adults, we need to be aware of our own screen time because is it coming between us and, and the people we're communicating with? You know, sometimes I think of how often as adults we're looking um, at, at a device, mm-hmm. right? And if we're looking at a device, what we're not looking at is the person across from us. And if we're not looking at that person, we're not making eye contact, um, then we're really not, uh, you know. Communicating. Yeah. And that oxytocin that flows when you make eye contact with someone mm-hmm. and and creates that connection and that bonding doesn't happen. And so as parents, I think it's important that we're very aware of, of taking the time to make eye contact with our kids and putting down our technology um, so that they know that they're the most important person in the room, not, not the cell phone or the device. Learned behavior. They see you doing something, they're going to do it too. I mean, that's, what, that's how kids learn. Yeah. Right. Well, my little guy, when he was three, I I read him a bedtime story every night for bed. This was, you know, he's older now, but he was three. And in the middle of our bedtime story, 
he sat up and he said, just a minute, mom. And he crawled out of bed and picked up a toy cell phone on the floor and picked it up and, and pretended to have a conversation with my dad, his grandpa. In the, and, and, and this is mid-story time. Just a minute, mom. Hi, grandpa. Oh, how are you? Had a full-on conversation. Wow. Uh, and then, you know, oh, love you, bye. And then got back in bed and said, okay, I'm ready. And that was a huge mirror for me. Right. Right. How many times, maybe mid-conversation, do I have to say, oh, just a minute, let me take this call. And our kids can be our best our best mirror. Um, and so, so being aware of that and, and so teaching responsible, you know, digital use with, with this technology is to me, this is, yeah, adults, we have to model this, but we have to set limits for our kids. Um, because, you know, given, given their complete autonomy with it, it's going to be hard to put down. Um, and, and we really want them to be in the present moment and be aware of their surroundings. Um, you know, when you watch people walking and they're always looking at their phone, they're not looking at their surroundings um, and they're not paying attention. And, uh, and we really need to, to help them, you know, put that down when you're walking, yeah. look around and take in the sights and notice who, who's walking by you and, and make eye contact and smile and say hello. Mm-hmm. You know, it's such a basic social skill that conveys safety, conveys warmth and approachability. And, and we need, we need that. Yeah. And we never know what we're going to miss. A yeah. bird in a tree or <laughs> a lost dog. I found that the other day, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah. What are some of the signs that a child might need this type of help then? When it's negatively impacting their life. Um, if we start to see our kids withdrawing, if they're spending more time alone, secluded, maybe they're shutting off. Maybe they're spending a lot of time alone in their room. Um, if they're not, uh, you know, reaching out to their friends as much or spending as much time with their friends. I think those are some signs to, to be aware of, if, you know, excessive time alone. Um, so we can be looking at behavior changes. But if also they start to, to talk um, negatively about certain things or feeling like that they um, there's no hope or... Um, you know, things would be better off without them. Those kinds of things would 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 definitely um, be a red flag for, yeah. yeah, let's get you connected. Let's get you some and, support. And, you know, we don't think about younger kids being suicidal, but this can lead to thoughts of suicide, mm-hmm. to be lonely, to be fel- feeling left out, mm-hmm. to be withdrawn getting bad grades in school, not caring anymore. And it's it's weird how you could even think that a child, which has such a great imagination, well, we used to anyway, um, would get that down and low. Um, I can understand it with older adults who might have financial responsibilities, have so much pressures in the world with inflation, with different things going on, their jobs and everything. But a child, you wouldn't think about them having that type of responsibility to have that kind of reaction, but they do, they get that low. Yeah. You know, and again, this modern world, um, with, with technology so available and devices so accessible to kids, they're exposed to things, um, that their brain's not developmentally ready for, you know, um, there are, there are no limits when it comes to, to what is shown on TV, um, on YouTube, 
And and so they're they're exposed to things that developmentally they may not be ready for yet. Mm-hmm. And so they can be stressed about things that, that even aren't right here, right now, a part of their life. It, it's like the global news, mm-hmm. you know. Um, for me, you know... <laughs> If, if somebody wants to sleep well, the 10 o'clock news probably isn't the best thing to watch right before you want to go to bed. Right. Because then you're worried about everything that's going on in the world. And so you think about our kiddos that don't understand the world through that adult brain that has that fully developed prefrontal cortex. And, and, and that might instill a lot of fear and worry and anxiety about what's going on in the world. And, and really what they need to worry about is, you know, soccer practice after school or, you know, that concert coming up this weekend or, you know, play, who am I going to play with after school today? Yeah. <laughs> or homework. Yeah. Yeah. Or getting my homework done. Right. Yeah. I mean, these are the things that that it, it just, you know, it caused our children to grow up a little too fast and, and their brains aren't ready for it. Right. Um, so we talked about this MAP program, M-H-A-P. Uh, how long do you think this program will continue uh, being funded then? That's a really good question. We never know when it's a when it's a grant. Um, we never know for sure. We hope it will be ongoing funding. Um, there has been a lot more focus on supporting mental health and getting upstream. So we hope to see it continue, um, and we hope to see student access grow as well. And how can students and parents find out more about the program uh, as far as maybe getting their child into it? Is there a limit? of the number of children that can be in it, or can anybody qualify? Well, we do have a limited number of sessions available. Um, so far, we haven't exceeded that, so so we're, we're okay there. Um, and, and so we just really want to promote it and help parents be aware that this is available for their student, and they can just ask about it at their school uh, if they have a relationship with a teacher or the principal, they can connect them to that school counselor, um, or they can just go directly to the school counselor. And I would imagine teachers can kind of refer to, they might go to the parents and say, hey, I think this would be beneficial for your child. He or she's been maybe acting out or, or not acting out, not doing the, what, what we believe is a normal behavior. Yeah, I would hope that, that the adults in, in the lives of, of our students are, are perceptive and aware to notice if there's been changes um, anything that they're concerned about so that they could bring that up. I know I appreciate that as a parent. If, if someone notices something's off with one of my children, I want to know. Of course. So where can parents find a list then if they do go through this procedure um, to find out more about the, the providers that are available? Do they go to, does, is that handed to them through the counselor? It is. Mm-hmm. They receive a link for a digital platform and they can access the list of providers right there. And if they don't want to go through this process, but they do believe they have insurance and they want to get help for their child anywhere, how what's good resources out there for them? You know, Psychology Today is a website that allows you to search for a provider in any zip code. Uh, and so we refer parents a lot to just psychologytoday.com. And at the top, it will say find a therapist. And you can just click on that, type in your zip code, and it will bring up a list of the providers within this zip code. And usually there's a picture, um, the location or the agency that they work with and their specialties. I want to ask you a personal question. Why do you do what you do? Well, I, uh, I, I really have always loved psychology. And uh, I, I, love, I love connecting people to resources to help them find healing and hope. Um, I, I was a clinical therapist before I came to schools. And a lot of it was because so many of my clients 
said, I needed this a long time ago. You know, um, how do we prevent, how do we get upstream? And uh, it's, it's, you know, it's interesting. We all have to, at some point, make that decision about a career, don't right. we? Yeah. And, and initially, when I first started thinking about doing this as a career, uh, I actually felt like that seems kind of down. Like maybe it'll be kind of depressing, you know, to 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 focus on that all day every day, and and that was a question that I asked people before I applied for the program and and really nailed down that decision. And what I loved and I heard over and over is there's so much hope. There's so much. It's so wonderful to watch people heal, and and that's true. And I th- I think you probably feel like you're making a difference in these children's lives. I I hope so. That that's that's the hope. That's the hope. The hope is that we can really open doors for people and and ac- help people get access to these resources in the time that they need it, um, so that they can live that quality life. Um, there's so much to be grateful for. There's so much um, available to us, and uh, and and sometimes we just need a little bit of help, being able to see all of that and and being aware of of our strengths. Well, I'm very grateful that you've chosen this career. (laughs) I I choose mine for education and to open my mouth and spread the word. So thank you so much for being on the show today. I just appreciate everything, sharing this information about this program. It's awesome. It's wonderful. So keep doing what you're doing. And you too. Thank you (laughs) so much. Thank you so much. And uh, again, uh, if you have any uh, thoughts or for parents or students or anything out there, you may be reluctant to contact the school or others when it comes to mental health, um, reach out because there's always hope. And remember that there's the 988 number and our our reachforhopeutah.org where you'll find many more resources to help you out. And so thanks for joining us today. The Reach for Hope Coalition wants you to know that we care about you and we are here to help. If you or someone you know is thinking about suicide, reach out. You're not alone. To access resources for yourself or others, visit our webpage at reachforhopeutah.org. That's reach, the number four, hopeutah.org. If you are experiencing a crisis, please call or text the Suicide Crisis Lifeline at 988 because you matter and there is always hope. This has been a production from a podcast studio.